This episode of the Craft Sanity Podcast is brought to you by listeners like you who donated $1 a month through Craft Sanity's Patreon page. Learn more at craftsanity.com. Hi, I'm Jennifer Ackerman Haywood, and you're listening to the Craft Sanity Podcast, an interview show all about art, craft, and creativity. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 141 of the podcast. I'm very happy to bring you a discussion that I recorded recently with Sean Maginity and Marianne Gardner. They are the force behind Bird and Feather, which if you haven't visited birdandfeather.com, I suggest you head over there and have a look. Sean and Marianne make beautiful terrariums. This was something that Marianne started the business and then Sean joined her shortly thereafter because things picked up pretty fast for this business. So this is going to be a great podcast for those of you who might be kind of kicking around an idea or feeling very inspired to possibly try something. You got to listen to this story because not only is it a love story, but it's also a handmade love story. And in my humble opinion, it doesn't get much better than that. So grab a project and settle in. I'd like to quickly thank my Patreon sponsors and the kind folks over at ACS Home and Work for letting me keep doing these great interviews. I love doing this. Thank you so much for your support. All right, and now on to the interview. So Marianne, why don't you introduce bird and feather a little bit and tell us maybe how you and Sean got started working on this on this business. We were in Los Angeles, California at the time. We were both working in retail, but I've always been kind of entrepreneurial and wanted to do something <laughs> on our on my own. Terrariums and succulents and air plants and stuff were just everywhere in Los Angeles at the time and they kind of captured my imagination. I just kind of ran with it. I became kind of obsessed with them and started just doing it on my own and then realized that other people were really hungry for them. It kind of just snowballed from there. We decided to do our first event in May of 2012. It was at Unique LA and we shared a booth with our friend. She has a really cool business too. It's called Sun and Glory. We split a booth at Unique LA and we sold my terrarium. Also, Sean and I together came up with the idea for our little air plant pods and we just kind of were like, oh, those are kind of cool. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It was just one of those things that grew on its own and became its own little beast. What year was that when you did the first show? Uh, 2012. Did you guys work in the same retail job or did you guys know each other from being in Grand Rapids? We knew each other from Grand Rapids. We just both happened to be working retail. <laughs> we both moved out to L.A. What Marianne's leaving out, though, is that she basically had never made a terrarium in her life, was very inspired, and then decided, I'm going to start a terrarium business. <laughs> I love Stopped it. her job and started <laughs> Up Bird and Feather. What were you doing? What retail job did you just up and quit to become a terrarium artist? I worked at Kelly Green Home. It was this cool little eco-friendly boutique uh, that at the time was in the Silver Lake neighborhood of L.A., which is a super hip and fun neighborhood. And now she still exists. It's still a shop, only she only does mobile events now. She actually, Kelly Van Patter is her name, and she was my big inspiration. I watched her kind of absorbed through watching her, and I... And mine looked completely different. She always had succulents and plants everywhere, and it just absorbed into my being. <laughs> kind of that Southwest style in general, the California modern influence on everything. And Kelly herself was actually an Emmy-nominated set designer who also happens to 
have her own store. Oh, wow. And so I could definitely see how her styling and everything influenced Marianne. I was really lucky to watch her process and stuff. I don't know. I, mm-hmm. just, I feel really well, specifically lucky. Like visual merchandising and things like that. She definitely learned a lot from Kelly. How long was that incubation period from when you got inspired at work, started doing this at home, and then quit the job, did the show, and find yourself in a business? Oh, boy. I would say it only took like six months. I was pursuing it pretty hard at the beginning of January that year, learning how to do the web design. I learned how to do it all (laughs) in a very short period of time, even just, oh my goodness, looking back at my old photographs for product photography, there's just so much to learn. But I feel like we learned really fast. Well, and you have a beautiful website and your products are beautiful and the styling too of your booth, it's very eye-catching. You know, you have uh, kind of the terrariums hanging from these really cool like uh, wood. Is it like driftwood or what kind of wood do you have? They're sycamore branches from from our friend's neighborhood. We were just taking a walk and someone had thrown them yeah, on their the corner to be collected for garbage totally and we were like, works. yoinks. Yeah, it totally <laughs> works. I will say though, it was nerve-wracking for me to watch this because I thought, oh my gosh, what if the wind blows or what if someone like crashes into the booth or something? Do you guys hold your breath every time you go out to sell things? Like, I hope um, no one breaks our stuff today. <laughs> no, we, we used we to. Do. <laughs> uh, we've, we've done this enough. We've, had, we've rarely had anything fall down or break or anything. It's Yeah, we're, we've, we've been we're, okay. <laughs> we are the only ones who've broken anything. Oh. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, I guess exactly. That's, that's a little bit reassuring then for customers that they don't be afraid. It's like, okay, there's... It's probably not going to be you that breaks it. Now, let's back up a little bit further. Now, both of you are from the Grand Rapids area. Is that correct? Yes. Marianne and I used to work together at the Grand Rapids Public Library. Basically, she was talking about how she wanted to move to Los Angeles. We weren't a couple at the time, but she was going to be moving, and I was like, i got to let her know. <laughs> and so then uh, she wound up <laughs> moving to it. California, and uh, I wound up following her out there after a few months, okay. and we've been together essentially since and now we're back here and it's pretty great <laughs> i don't know if it, if you care to share the story but how did you let her know one day i was uh leaving work and trying to see if she'd be around and she gave, offered me a ride home and then when we got there i was just kind of like oh uh, i have unresolved feelings for you and that was essentially <laughs> the beginning and she was like i don't know how to work with that <laughs> <laughs> i don't know how to work with so, so, Marianne, so Marianne, did this surprise you, or did you know? Did you know that Sean uh, was harboring some uh, strong feelings for you? Uh, no, it was a surprise. <laughs> wow. And he almost missed his chance. I know. Imagine if he had been too shy to say anything. Wow. Yeah. So you moved out there, and then Sean followed. And was that something where your friends like, whoa, like, you guys just started this, and now you're in Los Angeles together. Like what's yeah. The, yeah. But it sounds like you guys knew what you were doing because how many years has it been now? About five now. Okay. Yeah. I think people thought we were a little crazy, but it worked yeah. out. Yeah. <laughs> what was it that led you to come back to West Michigan and how long have you been back? Well, we came back in, was it July, the beginning of July or the end of June? Right about I, the end of June there. Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of the impetus for most actions, and I missed Michigan. I had some really strong feelings about it. I missed 
having all the weather that we have here, you know, all of the rainy days and the cloudy days and the snowy days, even though they can be kind of tough on you, I feel like they're integral to making memories form in my mind or something. I don't know. I just, you can't <laughs> yeah. take the Michigan out of me, I guess. When you go to a place that doesn't have the seasons, like the, the wild changes that we have, it's kind of like, okay, what day is it? What month is it? What's going on? You know, yeah. It's, yeah. it's kind of a different. It's biologically <laughs> confusing. Yeah. <laughs> Every day, just things just kind of blend together in California, like it's all kind of the same all year. <laughs> now, was it was it wildly expensive to live there? Um, Not where we were. We're pretty good shoppers when it comes to uh, rentals. I think rent skyrocketed during the time that we were there. So I suppose yes, if we wanted to get the same size that we have here, it would be absurdly expensive. We just downsized. Like I still hadn't quit my full time. And we were working out of our one-bedroom apartment. We essentially lived in, like, a stock room <laughs> where we had kept yeah. all of our plans oh, and wow. we kept all of our shipping supplies and just everything in general, and we were just working out of our home. So, Sean, what did you do? When What was your retail job out there in L.A.? Out in L.A., I was actually uh, working at a CB2, and I was a manager for a bit. It was basically CB2 is, like, Crate and Barrel's modern furniture offshoot. It's a cool shop. Yeah. Well, it sounds like both of you were working in pretty cool places when you're out there. Yeah. And yeah. when did you, so it sounds like you kind of got this started with, you know, Marianne kind of seeing how this was going to go. And then did you just get a lot of orders and that's when you decided to join, join the business? Marianne was essentially doing like the brunt of the work in the beginning. I mean, we had designed stuff together, but she was taking it on herself and uh, I was, at work most of the time. And then we would do like on my days off, I would like, you know, go on supply runs with her and work at markets with her and stuff like that and make some stuff. But essentially like in the beginning, it was like Marianne's baby aside from like my input and like assistance. And Mm -hmm. then, uh, then I just finally made the commitment to quit my full time. At the time we were getting attention. Like at one point, like a few months after starting the business, I know that one of our products got into Sunset Magazine's holiday gift guide. And then shortly after that, Anthropology actually reached out to us. Wow. It was kind of like, kind of a little bit of a whirlwind. Those little pods and everything that we sell were kind of catching on through them. There was just a point where I was like, well, I could keep working at CP2 or we could try to do this really It sounds like it's worked well for you. Actually, we would be doing very well. We have a lot of the bread and butter of the business has become wholesale orders. And we were participating in a West Elm. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with West Elm, but it's a national chain. Yeah. But we're actually dealing with a stock shortage right now. We don't have enough product to fill our orders. Oh, no. That's frustrating. Yeah. So we're we're in kind of a weird situation. Spot at the moment because our base material, the little pods, they're dried plant pods from a tree and we import them through somebody else. They got turned away at the port because of something else on the freight. So our entire stock that was supposed to be lasting us from essentially the end of July through the end of, well, through October disappeared. We had to cancel this huge fall thing that we were going to be doing with West Elm and we had to turn down an order with anthropology and we and then that's in addition to all of our like favorite boutiques well that's a real bummer so are you guys completely sold out of the pads now so we have uh our mini size is still in stock and we have we we have a few like little reserves that we can do for retail sales but 
like I said, wholesale was where we made right. the bulk of our, our consistent income. So we're just mm-hmm. kind of scraping by for a little bit while we wait. We should have some again soon. <laughs> now, is this, is this, yeah, you're hoping, right? Yeah. So has this led you to kind of think about, like, have you come up with any other products while you've had the shortage to deal with, like something to fill in the gaps? Well, definitely we've been falling back onto the terrarium. One thing that hasn't been played up as much as, like, that probably should, because I'm just going to, I'm going to toot Mary Ann's horn here, is that, like, she she started off making some great-looking terrariums, and uh, I've, over the years, have been learning how to make them as well through her, and I think, I think they're pretty great, especially just compared to a lot of stuff out there. I think she's defined her style and has made some really beautiful stuff, and uh, aside from that, uh, I've also just started looking into making ceramic versions of our pods. There's still a lot to learn for me, but uh, it's uh, definitely something that we'd like to get into, but it's probably a few months down the down the road. Yeah, but those are like little, they could make little pitch, pinch pots, and I can oh, see yeah. that totally working. Yeah. 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 He, and he's been working on, yeah, he actually took a class, and like we have some prototypes that are super sweet, so we just need to get that ball rolling. What turns some people off to terrariums is they think, oh, they look great in the store, they look great online, but I will kill it. You know, people have that thought, like, geez, I don't want to get something or buy it for a loved one, and then it dies. Explain why your approach with the air plants, how that is so much easier for people. Well, first of all, like the number one way people tend to kill terrariums because they don't have drainage is they overwater them. Right. Like if you just accidentally, like your hand shakes a little bit too much, you've accidentally poured too much water in there and just like created a death sentence for whatever. <laughs> it's like Bob, bye bye bonsai. Yeah. Um. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So this completely takes that out of the equation. You physically take the little air plant out of there to water it. So you're never going to ruin that beautiful little backdrop that's happening in there either. So actually, originally, I did start out doing cactuses and succulents and stuff because I love them and I think they're beautiful, but it just like, it's so easy for people to kill them. So, mm-hmm. and I, and I always did like the air plants, but they, it took a little while for them to grow to be like the most important plant for me. (laughs) Um, And now it's exclusively what I use because uh, I think we have a lot better luck with them. And as far as my inspiration goes, I really, for me, my favorite terrariums are the ones that sort of mimic nature. I like to layer, I try and find little bits and pieces from around wherever I live. So I I usually have some sticks that I found somewhere at a park or (laughs) I don't like them to be too kitschy. I really like just straightforward natural beauty. So I I tend to just go with the rocks, moss, pebbles, sticks, kind of all natural things. Um, and then, of course, I do the crystals because those are uh, undeniably pretty. <laughs> <laughs> there's also something to how you arrange stuff, too. I definitely say, you well, whether you know it or not, there's definitely like kind of like a cascading effect and almost this like, how would these items naturally fall together if you were to come across them outside? I don't know if that's like a subconscious thing. I'm just a, I'm just a no, I'm trying to do that. <laughs> do you have so many orders that you can't really take your time with each one, or do you actually get to to really enjoy the process of putting these together? It goes back and forth. Definitely, definitely. <laughs> so sometimes I get to sit there and really pick and choose and spend a lot of time with each one. Tell them your technique that you designed for us. 
Oh, okay. well, he based it off of my like what we do, and we kind of broke it down to a step by step formula. And <laughs> Sean yeah. came up with a funny <laughs> way to put Sometimes it. Sometimes when we're really busy, I say that it's time that we implement terrarium McDonald's, oh. and, uh, <laughs> where we have to just pump out a bunch all at once, kind of like yeah, and uh, <laughs> and that's that's what it turns into when we're really busy. So it becomes more assembly line. Yeah. yeah. So, but that just means that people still get, they just get our more like, this, that we know that this is going to work. And I'm assuming that you're ordering through the mail, the air plants. I don't know if you are able to just drive somewhere and pick them up, but is it easier just to maintain and transport air plants compared to succulents? For sure. And actually, we, we ship our terrariums as kits with assembly instructions. When someone gets a terrarium, it'll come with a little moss and a little packet and then the plant and the globe are all together in one like uh, nicely bubble wrapped thing. And then all the fixins go in like a little gift box, you know, a little baggie of sand and a little bit of crystals, a couple crystals or a geode and a piece of pyrite or depending on what they order. Um, and like, of course, a little jute twine and stuff. So it's more like a, a do it yourself thing once you get it at home okay and if you buy it in a retail outlet then you would go home with your finished piece correct yes okay and um so and what is your price point for the folks at home who haven't had a chance to see this in person yet well the terrariums themselves go for from 20 for our lowest and then just for the kits we do 20 to 50 if you were buying it in person we do have terrariums that go up to like a hundred dollars but those are in a more elaborate containers. <laughs> I can <can't laughs> imagine. But typically online, you're going to look at just twenty to to thirty four to fifty. But the fifty dollar ones are super cool. They're those ones in the giant teardrop vessels with that thick rope. When I did the terrariums for the, my big article for the press, I didn't bust out with any crystals. Is this something you came up with, or are people putting in crystals in terrariums for a long time and I just didn't know about it? I think I just came up with it i think so too i feel better now i feel better hearing you say that because i was like i have never heard of that before before i met mary yeah so um (laughs) i've seen people have started doing it since then both have started entering the public consciousness and uh Mm -hmm. and i suppose that it was just kind of like a natural way to go just like some sort of like kind of like an inevitable thing if you're doing this like plant setting art that like eventually you would get to these like minerals and these these geodes and crystals and things. I definitely feel like that uh, the black sand amethyst terrarium that we that we have is, uh, well, that Marianne made specifically is just kind of like, is definitely like, I, I don't think I've seen anything like it before. And I feel as though that one's, uh, that one's pretty popular. And I, I don't know, I'm just, contributing that to my knowledge I, it just seems like she came up with that one like like definitely yeah. but, <laughs> but, but for me I just I I am a rock hound wherever I go like if I visit somewhere I come back with a rock collection from wherever I went yep. but that's like just who I am uh <laughs> but it did it took me a lot of work to find a good source for affordable geodes and crystals and stuff. It wasn't like Mm -hmm. it was, I just went somewhere and got them. It actually took me a long time of searching to find a source that would be suitable for us. So I made a a pretty concentrated effort to make it happen because I wanted it really badly. For those who aren't familiar with air plants, the magical existence that they have, Mm -hmm. what can you tell us about air plants? 
Well, airplanes are pretty awesome. Um, we actually were lucky enough to, uh, in Southern California, there's this man named Paul Isley, and he owns a business called Rainforest Flora. Um, and they have this really epic showroom that anyone can go in, and, and he has air plants displayed in just the most amazing way. And he's actually one of the people who, back in the 70s, went down into the rainforests of, like, Central America, Guatemala, just that kind of general region, and brought them back to the United States. You can find some in, like, uh, Florida and Texas and stuff, but they're not as cool as these ones that they were bringing back from the jungle. So air plants, they don't need soil to survive. So they basically take in all of their nutrients and all the water that they need directly through their leaves. And when they grow, they tend to grow up on things. Like they might grow up on some branches of a tree. So they will develop roots, but roots are only to grab onto things. Are these plants propagated now in the United States, or do you, or do they, are they still coming in from the rainforest? And where, where are they coming you know, we're getting them from wholesale nurseries because to grow them from seed can take from six to 25 years, I think. Are the oh, my goodness. Wow. Yeah. So uh, 25 right now years? We're getting them. Wow. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's just from seed. If they do uh, propagate individually, like if you have a plant and it'll start to, they call it clumping, grow a second and maybe third or fourth plant off of that root base. Okay. Those ones grow much, much faster. It's just from seeds that they grow that slowly. How old is your oldest air plant in your own personal collection? Oh, I don't even know because we, we bought them from people who've been growing them for years. So how many? You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, how many they're, years have you had an old. air plant? I've only had them since 2012. I've seen some 15-year-old plants that were just ginormous. How big do they get? <laughs> All of them grow pretty slowly. So okay. that's not yeah. going to be a realistic problem anytime soon. And then the types that I tend to put into the terrariums aren't the ones that bulk up so large. Okay. They definitely cap out at, uh, like, the largest some of them that we have would get would be about, like, six to eight inches from top to bottom. And that's something where you, you wouldn't want to don't hold your breath for <laughs> take a long time. And how long do these plants live? They can for years. It depends on how you take care of them. One unique thing about them is each plant only flowers once. And so sometimes, and plants can continue to live for years after they have flowered, but they also might not. Sometimes they just kind of are done with their life cycle at that point. And they usually, <laughs> they reproduce around that time and then they just kind of call it a day. <laughs> and then you just hope that there's a little baby plant attached, right? Then, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. To carry on the tradition here. Exactly. If a plant has flowered, I don't, it goes into my personal collection. I don't send any of that stuff out to anyone. <laughs> right. We won't have people, they open the package and they're like, oh no, it's a flower. Now that we've scared everyone off. No, I'm kidding. I, I, no, I think, no, I, I really think these are totally cool. And so people can kind of personalize it because when they get the kit, they get to put together the terrarium and kind of put things where they want them. I mean, I know they're not, it's like you have tons of extra space around to like renovate all the time, but it's kind of cool to for a person to feel like, hey, I purchased this thing, I put together, you know, they take the kit, put it together the way they want it, and um, that's got to be kind of satisfying as well. It could be a good gift for a DIY enthusiast, someone who likes to do things yeah. themselves. 
Actually, when we started the business, I thought people would be more, because I'm a DIYer, and so I thought people would be more into, like, literally buying each piece separately and designing oh, their own kit. Okay, okay. And that's not what people want. As soon as I put together, like, an already designed kit, they started flying. But before, when I, like, was just suggesting how people might put it together, they didn't sell. When you go from trying to package this stuff up in a one-bedroom apartment in Los Angeles and you're like, okay, anthropology is on the line. I mean, that must be wildly exciting, but also like probably overwhelming too. I mean, how was that experience? It's terrifying. It's terrifying, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like, I would... We still feel that way today. Like we're, <laughs> like even after like having communicated with people like that, we're, we're still like, oh, we're, we're just winging it, you guys. <laughs> uh, uh, that's where fake it till you make it, like, actually works. Anthropology just was like, do you wholesale? And we literally hadn't wholesaled before. Like... Uh, and I was so... like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's definitely been a lot of growing pains. So because, like, I don't know if a lot of crafters experience this, but when they, they start out, they don't. Like, they don't know how to price themselves. I still feel like half the time we don't know how to price ourselves. We'll put in a lot of work in something, and other people put in a lot of work in stuff, and then they seem to just offer it for so little. But you're like, how can we be sure that the actual buying audience is there? How can we get their attention? So there's, like, it's confusing for anyone that's out there that's making something and trying to find a way to make a living off of it. Yeah, I definitely think anyone starting out, figuring out their pricing whatever they've figured out as their price should actually be their wholesale price. And then they need to double it. When you got that call asking for the first wholesale order, were you priced at a point where was it more of a retail price than a wholesale price? It was kind of in between the two. Like we thought we had accounted for enough, but we weren't accounting for the variables. Like because we're working with a natural product, which means not every Thing is necessarily going to turn out perfectly mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. there can be a little and bit of waste there that we didn't account for so we've had to raise our prices uh since yeah and there's there's always something changing or going on like also another aspect of like those pots that we sell we hand dip them in paint and there's always just some sort of variable that goes into it that can make it not come out right that makes it so we have to like make it again or try something different the pods are one size and then the next time we get a shipment they're another size and then the plants are living so one time they look like this and then the next time they look like that and and that when you're selling things online you really need things to be consistent with your photographs and so that is kind of more of a source of stress for us than i ever would have anticipated we're always trying to adapt our listings to like reflect the most accurate version of the product at the time. Like if we happen to have like smaller pods in stock. Yeah. We have to switch which yeah. plant we use. We have to do a complete new set of photographs for every single color and then upload that with new dimensions. You know, yeah. somebody who has something like they make jewelry or something, it's going to literally be the same every single time. So they take a photograph and it's done. So you guys just kind of jumped in with the first couple orders, probably learned a tremendous amount. Um, uh-huh. It sounds like you probably put your relationship to the test too. When you have a oh, giant, yeah. a giant order <laughs> come in and, you know, meanwhile, these people are back in Grand Rapids saying, yeah, those people from the library, they're out there and they're selling plants now. What's going on? <laughs> <laughs> 
But yeah, but, we might be a little confusing to people sometimes. But but, it, but, it, but from my observations, it appears to be working really well for you. You guys appear to be happy, and uh, the the products are beautiful. And so, how are you making all that work? Did you guys meet at work? Yeah. Okay. So you but guys, we didn't we didn't work with each other, even though oh, no, we no. at the same place. I was in the maintenance department, so I was not working a conventional library job at a library. I just happened to work for the library in the maintenance okay, department. Okay, okay. And meanwhile, Marianne, what were you doing at the library? I was actually lucky enough to work in the reference department. So, like, if you came in and were looking for a book or information that you might find on a database, I would help you find that. Oh, that's pretty cool. Even though I, I, don't, I don't have a master's degree, so I wasn't technically a librarian, so I was considered a paraprofessional. I consider anybody that's helpful in a library a librarian. So that's my definition. <laughs> so by that, so by that, <laughs> I love libraries. I, was, I love the people that work there. Yeah. So you know what? I don't. I would have called uh, Sean a librarian too. Um, just <laughs> I mean, if you want to be a librarian, I'd be like, that's fine with me. If you, you know, help me find what I'm trying to get to. That's wonderful. So, so you guys were not in the same department, but you apparently your paths crossed. Yeah. Well, also because you would. So we. I think we would have known each other. Just through social life in Grand Rapids if we hadn't worked together also. And then also a bunch of people at the library were pretty tight and we would just go and, and hang out together anyway. There was a lot of friendship forged at the library. So it sounds like this business then was the first time that you really worked together. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. How did that go? It alternates between very smooth sailing and then once about, once in a while it gets kind of bumpy because I can get a little bossy. <laughs> <laughs> we both have, yeah, yeah. We both have very different ideas of how things should go. So we do run into, if if this were NPR from a few years ago, you'd be like, Sean and Marianne are at loggerheads again. <laughs> that's that's kind of how it is. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. But but it sounds like for the most part. Um, you guys are aware of your own personality quirks and try to work around them, it sounds like, because you yeah, care for I, each other. Yes. <laughs> I, think it's, I think it's helping you grow as a human being. So it's definitely, good. Definitely. <laughs> what kind of space do you work in now? Uh, we're still working out of our apartment, only it's a much larger apartment. <laughs> <laughs> and Burden Feather has, uh, it's a, we, we live in the top floor of a pretty large historic home and the back half of our apartment we have two separate rooms and one's our shipping station and then the other room is our plant slash design studio room are you looking to have a workspace outside of where you live we definitely want a separate studio space but then the decision is do we want it to be a storefront where people can come, maybe not like with regular retail hours, but open hours for a workshop, open up hours for just basic gift retail shop, or do we want it to be a completely separate just studio? When so that's, that's here, the question. <laughs> when we had moved here, we were looking into uh, just kind of like a workspace, just kind of, you know, West Side Grand Rapids area, Front Street type of region. We were looking around there and other places to work out of, but uh, we still worked even sure where we were going to end up. Like at first when we moved to Grand Rapids, we were just staying with some friends and uh, we'd been like apartment hunting and we were trying to find like just the right space for us at the time. And I don't know, we finally got our place. We've been in here for like roughly a month. So if we are going to 
get out there and get a separate workspace. We still have some some searching to do. Mm-hmm. It hasn't been that much time since we've been back, really. Oh yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> and once I mean, once we have the pods back in stock, we're probably going to have to get an employee, which yeah. will be a more like we should really not be working out of our house at that point. Yeah. Right. Then yeah. it's kind so, of then it's kind of strange because you're like, whoa, Joe, you sh- showed up a little too early. We're eating breakfast here. You know. Um. <laughs> yeah. That, those boundaries can get blurred a little bit. What does your family think now? Your families, what do they think about this business and this adventure to LA and now back to Grand Rapids? I think they're really glad we're back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're sort of proud, but also sort of don't understand what we're doing. So, you know, <laughs> when you put us in the paper, that will help them. Yeah. It's <laughs> so going to be the validation you've been looking for. It's, yeah. it's kind of adorable because my dad keeps saying, oh, you're selling flowers. And I'm like, no, I, no, I don't sell flowers, but okay. <laughs> But you know, so it sounds like it's been. It sounds like you guys are enjoying the ride of having this idea and being inspired by some plants and seeing where that leads you. I would say if there's one thing to take away from all of this, it's that uh, we've been very lucky and we have no idea what we're doing. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know what? I mean, I think I think that's probably um, really an understatement about. I mean, I think I can tell from just seeing your product and, and your display, you clearly have come a long way and, and um, either you're faking it really well or you really have <laughs> learned quite a bit um, from that experience. And what has been the most surprising thing to you? Positive response from people. Like you never, like just putting yourself out there is is scary. And like, it just, I, yeah, I mean, I, you know, like you've got this voice in your head telling yourself, like, can you really do this? Is it possible? I don't know. Like no one's going to like this. And then people people might like it <laughs> and sometimes and we've had a very positive response and that's been the biggest surprise for me uh, yeah I think we're both like I'm not I'm not trying to be too modest in any way but you know like every time we have a sale which is pretty often like it's just it's so it's really wonderful and surprising that people just continue to want to buy from us. You know, when you start something and, and this little baby, like I, I spent my whole life, like it was my baby. I would be so busy. I couldn't even shower. But now, and also I feel like it's the business is its own being. It's taken a life of its own and the business wants what the business wants. And I, and I, it's just, it's fascinating to me. Like it's like watching your little baby grow up. I don't know. <laughs> Bird and Feather, we didn't talk about the name of the business. How did you come up with the oh, name? Oh, goodness. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's silly. We basically just sat down and, and brainstormed names, and we were trying to find something that had a website available, like Birds and Feathers. And yeah. <laughs> you know, it's one of those it, uh, things. <laughs> it's, it's almost the phrase birds of a feather but it's right. not and right. like, I'm sure that people are like what were those guys thinking like they messed up that phrase nope that website was taken so <laughs> <laughs> is that really what it came down to birds of a feather was taken yeah. so bird and feather oh that's, that's hilarious yeah well I mean I, I like it and this opens the door for you to put a bird on it at some point if you want absolutely to. and that was around that time it came out just after I can't remember when it came out and we were like oh no I can put a bird on it <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you guys can decide if that's a if you want to bring the birds into it or not. But um, right, yeah, but also the name 
it allows us to transform as we see fit. Oh yeah, you could do anything. You could do anything under that name. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah. It's not like married to terrarium. So right. Like right. If we, yeah. If it for was some like... reason in the future, decide to mar- start making like artisan door frames or something. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. This this. Burn feather door frames. What do you wish you would have known when you started? I wish I would have known that we would have been able to do what we are doing, and I would have probably left my full time job sooner. And I feel like we could probably be further than we are today. Like, I always feel like we can be better than we are. And so I'm always kind of trying to push for that. A lot of choices I've made in life, a lot of choices other people probably make are probably influenced by being afraid to take the chance. And I guess, uh, yeah, and Mary had took that chance and then I followed. So. I wish I had been more aware, more open to adaptability. Like, I had my, my idea fixated, like, oh, we have this one size pod and this one style plant. And then... Over the years, I've learned how to adapt and be more flexible and not get so stressed out. When when you reach a small roadblock, I would get, like, you know, really, really freaked out and stressed out. But now I know that we'll figure it out. Even though owning your own business is stressful, it, it's kind of made me more zen-like. Yeah, I was just going to ask you if you, like, are doing yoga, if that helps you uh, get to this point or if it was just a, a revelation while in the thick of your work life. Uh, I've been working with mindfulness. Unless you have anything else to add, I will let you get on with your day. Uh, I think I'm good. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm great. So thanks again. Yeah. I Thank really you. appreciate it. All right, you guys Thank go you. back and have a great day, all right? A very special thanks to Mary Ann and Sean for being guests on the podcast and also sharing their story with me for my newspaper column for the Grand Rapids Press and MLive.com. I really appreciate that. Uh, it's such a fun thing to get to write about people who have a handmade life, and it's it's just been fun. And I know I have bought a couple of the plant pods. They're in my house, so uh, Bird and Feather is part of my home decor now, which is really fun. The terrariums, the giant ones, are so breathtaking. So as soon as I can figure out a way to keep the cat away from the terrariums, I think I may be looking to upgrade from my plant pods. Uh, <laughs> the cool thing, again, about these terrariums is that they're pretty low maintenance. The air plants, take them out, give them a good soak once every two weeks, and you're good to go. So you can actually go on vacation with these plants and they will not die while you're gone unless you're going to be gone for months and months. Those of you who may have missed episode 140 with my interview with Ruby Ellen from mykeikis.com, she is a blogger who has a sewing book out and I'm actually doing a giveaway. And these kind of these two podcasts are kind of overlapping. So if you want to get into the drawing for that, go back and listen to episode 140 and visit craftsanity.com and you can find out how to enter that. And I have some other giveaways planned as well for the coming weeks. I know my sponsor, ACS Home and Work, is going to be giving away some things and we have we have some big plans, folks. So keep an eye on craftsanity.com. If you follow Craft Sanity on Instagram, you'll also get some updates about giveaways and things that I have coming up. And by all means, you got to visit birdandfeather.com to see the beautiful things we've been talking about. Because I know in my newspaper column, they only ran one photo 
there wasn't room for more photos. There's some other photos that I'll post on my blog showing the beautiful creations that Sean and Marianne create. Art Prize is going on in Grand Rapids, so those of you who are within driving distance, I recommend you check it out. I've been working really busy working with my students at the community college this week, so I've been kind of helping them behind the scenes cover Art Prize, so I haven't actually been able to get out myself very much, but I'm going to be going today. I'm very excited about that, and uh, Art Prize is a free art exhibit. It's like the whole city of three, a three-mile area of, of Grand Rapids is becomes overrun with art. So people come in from all over the place, out of the country, you know, out of state, all around the suburban area. People come downtown and get to see soak up so much art. It's actually like a sensory overload situation. I entered this contest back in 2009 on behalf of a charity, and it was a fun experience, um, exhausting as well. So um, if you do see, if you visit and you do see the artists out there, smile at them uh, <laughs> because they're tired. <laughs> they're really tired. It's just fun to get to meet people. I did pop over to the Fulton Street Church across the street from the college where I teach, and I popped out real quick to just do a quick walk through, well, roll through. I'm still on my knee walker for my, after my recent foot surgery. And it was a really cool experience. There was a man there from Kosovo who had this 2D, it was like a sculptural painting. It was really fascinating. And the colors were really kind of drew me in. There's a video playing and I recognized this man standing near the painting as the man from the video. So I was asked, I, I asked him, are you the artist? And he said, he nodded and said yes and smiled. And then I asked him a question about the art and he couldn't, he's like, no English, no English. I said, okay. And he pointed over to the video. So I scooted over to the video on my little scooter and watched it. And he ends his video with, and now this is a man who survived a genocide over there. He has been through some pretty awful things from what I've gathered from the literature and also this video. He ends this video smiling and saying, and I, it's something about changing the world. I think it was together, we can change the world. And it was kind of interesting because I happened to be wearing one of the prints I made recently. I think it was over the summer. I carved Be the Change and I printed it onto t-shirt fabric, but the print wasn't very dark. So then I thought, well, I don't want to throw this away because I'm that kind of crafter and artist. I always want to save everything and reuse it. So I embroidered around the letters I have this shirt that says, be the change. And I happen to have that shirt on. And so when I thought to get, you know, I heard him say, together we can change the world. And then I'm wearing a shirt that says, be the change. It kind of struck me as, you know, we had this language barrier. I could not converse with him directly. Uh, He had to point me over to this video. So after I, you know, watched the video, I kind of just nodded and smiled back at him like, yeah, you know, this is awesome. And our prize is kind of cool that way because most of the people here, it's in the United States, and most of the artists do speak English, and so you can actually have full conversations. But even the people you can't talk to, you know, because I didn't know his language and he doesn't know mine, but yet there was an exchange happening there, and it was very powerful. And you know, so I think art is so so amazing because you can communicate a message to people without really saying a whole lot, and it's interesting too what resonates. If you're not within driving distance, I'm posting photos on my Instagram feed, and you also can visit the Art Prize website and see all the venues and all the in little thumbnails of some of the artists. Um, a lot of them have pictures of their work posted. It's inspiring. They give away a lot of prize money. I know for me, I never entered with the grand notion that I would win. That really wasn't the point. I was looking to raise awareness for domestic violence to get people to be more aware that this is totally inappropriate, and that was really my motivation. So. 
winning money would have been just a, obviously a pretty unexpected bonus. But those of you who work as professional artists, and even those of you who are consider yourself maybe more of a weekend artist, part of the prize money is public vote, is awarded by public vote. And part of it is by official art critics, people who have backgrounds and established authority to decide what is good and what is not. I don't always agree with the critics. It's really interesting because some of them, I'm like, these people seem wildly out to lunch. So that's always part of the fun of it too, is that what does the public think is cool and what, what do the official art critics think is cool? But this is a cool competition that if you're interested and you want to pay off your college loans or whatever, consider it. It's kind of a cool opportunity and it's really taken hold. I think this is the sixth year that they've done this in Grand Rapids. If you have ideas for future shows for me, by all means, let me know. Uh, you can write me jennifer at craftsanity.com. I'd be happy to hear your ideas and suggestions. I'm always looking for people who have a story to tell. So get in touch. Don't be shy. All right. So I have a lot to do. I'm going to head out and get working on that. In the meantime, Craft Sanity, my friends, it works for me. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Craft Sanity podcast. To support the show, click the Patreon link at craftsanity.com to donate $1 a month or buy a handmade loom or magazine at craftsanity.etsy.com. Thank you.